Hello and welcome to another Spark Encounter Report. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? Hope you're excited for another fun-filled con report brought to you by www.spirekin.com. Some podcasts and vegan reviews about connecting ants narratives. We've been releasing tons of podcasts for the last 15 years. Everything from manga reviews, movie reviews, game reviews, and of course convention reviews. And this is one of those convention reviews, so you're going to hear me talk about the pluses, minuses, the improvements needed, and the outstanding moments of a convention. Like I said, you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spirekin.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and various other social media sites. Just type in S-B-R-A-K-N, and I guarantee you find us one way or the other. If you're watching on YouTube, remember to like, share, subscribe, and hit that bell for notification to hear our new episodes. And with that in mind, let's actually get to it because I'm excited to talk about this con. Because if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know I am a huge fan of certain conventions. I loved Anime Next for a long time. Anime Boston was my home con for a while, and now... There's one convention that I look forward to every year. It is a blast. It is one of the biggest conventions on the East Coast. And more importantly than that, it is a convention where tons of events have occurred that have shaped me into the man I am today. And we're talking about Otakon. And this is an amazing convention that if you've never gone to, I highly recommend it. But let's actually get to this year's convention in general because there were some things that were pluses and some things that were kind of questionable. So Otakon, for those you who don't know, came out... Uh, this year on July 28th to July 30th at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center in Washington, D.C. It's an interesting convention center, which is really high up there. It is very nice, very eloquent, very expensive. And the hotel next to it has an underground bridge to connect to. It's a nice convention center, though. We've been going there for the last three years. Before this, Otakon was in Baltimore. Then before that, I believe, it was in Pennsylvania. It has been in several locations. And it originally started in 1994. This is its 29th anniversary, as I said earlier. So it's kind of crazy this convention's been around so long. It's only gotten bigger and bigger and more prestigious. This is considered one of the biggest conventions on the East Coast. And intriguingly enough, it takes place during the same time as Anime Expo almost every year. So you get this kind of difference between the two where where are you going to go? Are you going to go to Expo or are you going to go to Oda? And I've gone to Oda... Expo eventually I'll go to one day, but this is the biggest fan convention on the East Coast for anime and Japanese and Asian culture specifically. And it is a blast. And we actually got the some of the preliminary notes on how many people attended this year, and it was more than last year. We're talking at 42,000 people have shown up for Otakon 2023, which it did not seem like that. And we'll get to the reason for that in a moment. But let's get to some of the guests that appeared this year. We had a lot of guests, so we had, in order... Kyoko Aiba, Katie Fox, King Chris, Hidetaki Tenjin, Shota Nakama, Yaiba, Yashijari Talamajo, Substantial, Koki, Senanen, Lexi Nato, Riko Faharda, Shinji Aramaki, Ryo Kawamura, Junko Iowa, Mario Casaneda, Maho Shoujo, Colin Ryan, And then we had Bethan Walker, Ramal A. Bernal, Emil, Justin Cook, Natalie Von Sustain, Megan Chipman, Juan Felipe Sierra, Yoshihiro Watanabe, Shoji Kawamori, Haruna Ikezawa, Shigo Kiyomiya, Wake Kiyotake, Yuji Yanase, Kiyasamiya, Runo Katagiri, Masahiko Otsuka, Shunpei Gonyasu, Takuya Saito, Kin Jokiilk, Kim Hanje, Shinya Suroka, Takahara Ozaki, 
Choi Il Soon, Kenichi Ochi, Park Kyungrang, Kazuya Shiotsuke, Tarada Takanobu, Junichiro Tanaka, Super Art Fight, Dokutak, Mei Hachimaku, Harumi Fuki, Shingo Nashikiya, Hironori Hoshino, Naoki Koyama, Wataru Watari, and last and certainly not least, Yuya Matsuda. And there were tons of people who I was excited for. The big ones for me were Shinji Aramaki, Kia Asamiya, Shoji Kawamori, Yaiba, Hiditani Tenjin, Shingo Kiyomiya, Shingo Nishikawa, a lot of Shingos, who I was interested in, Shinya Suroki, and so many others. And it was cool to see these people at this event and actually to hear them. Some canceled, but for the most part, this was our docket for the weekend. And it was pretty much a blast overall, everything that had gone on. And I will admit, it was kind of crazy to see everybody who was there and what was going on during this event. But let's get to it, because actually the day usually starts on the 27th, the day before the convention, that Thursday, because that's early registration, that's basic prep, and that's actually meeting up with your old friends, because let's be honest, otaku and anime nerds are not social creatures, but we are social when we're at conventions. We see friends we haven't seen for years on end, and we act like it's been one day. And seeing a bunch of them was a blast. I didn't get to hang out with a lot of them, but I did hang out with many of them. Uh, because of just some little differences, because beforehand I would travel with multiple friends because I was coming from Boston to Ma- to Maryland to Washington, D.C. Now I'm coming from North Carolina to D.C., so I was going alone. So it was kind of, I was meeting everybody there, and it became a whole different thing going on. But I digress. The convention center's theme was trains, because this is the train theme, so there was the whole entrance to the convention was shaped like a train station. Everyone who was on staff had actual conductor badges. That was really cool. And let me actually grab, because I forgot to grab it, the actual badge for the event was shaped beautifully, where we had on one side, you have the Shinkansen and Otakon, and it was 3D. And then it had your QR code and the hours at hand. And as usual, they explained that on Saturdays, the dealer's room is closed at 6, because it's always been closed at 6. It has never been open earlier than 6. Or closed later than 6. Then for press passes and for industry, you had some really cool designs for it. For the press pass, you had, um, well, it's a trolley and a bunch of insanity going on. Also got tons of badgers. They had um, little ribbons for presenters. They had ribbons for your gender pronouns. And as usual, there's tons of other people handing out different ribbons. The one ribbon I got was from a, Kuro- a Korox. And as you could tell... Nyahaha, you found me. I found the Koroks. But we'll get to that when we get to cosplays. So let's actually get to the most important part, in my opinion, of any convention. And we're talking about the panels itself. Because there were a lot going on with those panels. So let's get to it. Sorry about that. I said to switch things over. So welcome to the panel section where we actually have to get to our panel discussion because... There were tons of panels this year, and that was kind of an issue because most of it was themed for Otakon's theme, which was trains. However, there was an issue with the way the panel schedule was done. It was one of the common complaints at this convention this year because you would have multiple things which were interesting to multiple people 
happening at the same time, and then you'd have blocks where nothing was happening. We don't know if there was someone new working on the schedules or if it was just an anomaly this year, but it was something which was rather frustrating. However, a lot happened, and there were tons of panels that were going on besides the Masquerade and the AMV competition. But here's the ones I went to and I observed, and I'll tell you my thoughts on them. First off, we had Giant Train Robots of Anime and More. This is Friday morning, and this is run by friend of the podcast, Pat. And, yeah, this one was a blast. It was fun to see all the retro cool train animes, including Might Gain, and, of course, the Shinkansen uh, as Ava 3 one which is the only universe where Shinji is happy. I loved seeing that. That was a really great panel and it was just well executed because he is a definite knowledgeable person on what he's doing and well it was fun and then from there we had a huge panel a very popular panel one which is amazing and great and i'm talking about my panel itself we're talking about the 22 manga recommendations for grown-ups this theme was train manga and tons of people came to it and they had a blast listening about some of these and i wasn't just talking about train mangas where it's like oh it's just someone on a train just sitting there they're very different types i talked about made in railways which is a bunch of romances on trains bakano 1931 grand funk railroad which is a heist story and even talked about night on the galactic railroad which is a story of a kid going to his death because it's the eternal train to afterlife so that was really cool and it was fun then from there, we went to the Macross Creators and Big West Industry Panel. Now, this was run by Koji Kawamori and Heditaka Tenjin. Now, this is the first time they've been to the United States in a while. And this is the first time they came there for Big West, which is pretty much talking about Macross. And if you listen to my con report from last year, this is steps above the last one. The last one was kind of a bait and switch. This one was not. This is them discussing the creation of Macross, them getting into some of the nerdy elements of it, studying the aircrafts, actually getting to go on flybys with jet planes, and actually going to places like the middle of Chicago where there's an airfield and they're actually able to see the plane which was developed after Macross and them explaining, this is the guy that made this plane for us. So pretty cool. And there was tons of really informative information. I had to skip out a little bit early, but from everyone I talked to, they loved this panel and was leaps and bounds above the last one, definitely. We had some great translators on there, and from there we went to actually one of my favorite industry panels that was at the convention, talking about Denpa. Now, this is uh, one of the best smaller creators. This is run by Ed Chavez, uh, formerly marketing director for Kodansha. Now he's the head of Denpa, an organization with only four members. And they work hard and they're amazing at this. And they announced a bunch of events. And more importantly, this was a kind of rushed event because two weeks beforehand, he was at San Diego Comic-Con at the Manga Round Table talking about the state of manga. And then he did not get information that he was going to be at this convention until the Monday before the con. So he had to kind of run over here, get his, um, his place where he's going to stay, all of his situations over. But he still ran it like a pro. We got tons of announcements and a couple that he couldn't really talk about because he didn't know if he could talk about it. But I posted all those on our Twitter account. Sorry, our X account because it's now X, not Twitter. You can check all those there. But there were some that were really fun and engaging. I'm excited for Under Ninja. Definitely. Excuse me. It's a little bit of a bit of a nose thing here. Anyway, from there, went to the Dark Horse 
manga panel with Carl Horn, and that panel is always a treat because whenever you go to a Carl Horn panel, it's not watching an industry panel. It's like hanging out with Uncle Carl as he tells you these really elaborate stories about all the different things he's done and all the unique elements in coming up with these licenses. So that was a great panel. Later on, I went to the Sounds of Anime. This is run by JP, formerly known as Fightbait, now uh, Moe.Gonzo. And he is a master at his work. He is someone who works on films. He is a audio engineer who's currently on strike because of the SAG strike. And, well, we hope that that's taken care of. But he, it was great to see him talking about anime. Couple other ones. We had Manime, the manliest anime ever, which last year was not that great. I tried it again. This guy really is not good. His idea of manly is just kind of rough and he skips a lot of things. It's a lot of weird jokes. Not the best panel ever. And then at 10 p.m. on Friday, there were two panels. One I worked on, and then across from me was another panel that surprisingly got a lot of complaints throughout the convention when I interviewed people. The one that got complaints is The Greatest Asses of Japanese History. This is an 18-plus panel about several individuals in Japanese history that get Rule 63'd, which means they turn into waifus. It's the alternate sex version of the characters. And then the panelists rank their asses. And this is run by Hentai Cake and Winning the War on Pants. And from what I've heard from the majority of the people... They did not like this. This joke was boring and it got old really fast. It was not the best choice ever. So I'm surprised they got panel room one. But it was apparently a little offensive and just not the best thing ever. They need to work on their panels. Anyway, at the same time in Workshop 2, I was running that one that only the Insane Manga Challenge Train Edition where I was giving away tons of manga and we had a blast as usual. One small problem, the audio engineer did not show up, so I actually had to speak loud through the entire panel. Voice got a little bit hoarse. You can hear my voice is a little hoarse still from the weekend. And it was a great time. The only complaint I would have is the fact that for the first 10 tickets, no one wanted to own up that they had the ticket, which is kind of strange. If you're going to a game show panel, you should be ready to actually play. And a lot of people were not excited to play, so... That was kind of rough, but still a lot of fun was had. Everyone had a good time. This is the first time I've ever run the IMC where every single category was chosen. So props on that. That was great that everyone did some of the panels. So from there, we move on to Saturday. And Saturday, we actually had a fun panel, which was the intro to manga and manga collection. And that was my panel at 9 a.m. And it was nice turnout. This was for people who wanted to know more about the art of manga collecting. I've had some interesting emails afterwards as people were talking to me about this event. And it was well done. They had a great time talking about it and seeing the intricate nature of being a manga collector and also what is manga. Then from there, a um, new friend from Otakon from last year, Michi-chan, came back. She Last year she ran the um, Donghua panel. She did it again this year. But she also ran Anime in the Philippines, which dealt with... Anime usage of the Philippines, everything from using music for political commercials to just new translations of really odd series. And this one was, I gotta say, this was a nice panel that was kind of relaxing and really well done. From there, I switched over to the Con Bags and How Not to Die panel. This one, not so much. Uh, this is literally just what do you carry when you're at a convention. And this one was not the best, I mean... Its thoughts were there, but 
there were issues I had with it. After that, I had I'm Not Old, main characters over 30. Thank you all so much for coming to that panel. That panel was packed. We had line out the door for 30-year-olds who want to hear about people our age, not teenagers. I may bring this back as a new version next year as more 30-year-old main characters over 30. That's the plan for next year, though. So, but we had that. Then we had Discotech Media's Industry Extravaganza. Again, check out my x.com forward slash at Spirekin to see what happened there. It was jam-packed. I will say I was kind of amused and surprised that before the panel opens up, they open up a slide with LUM, and it says, Attention panel attendees, please note shouting this year. Because if you remember from last year, there was a certain individual who made an ass of himself by when Yuritsai Atsura was announced, he started screaming a lot of obscenities and just made a complete jackass of himself and was really rude and wouldn't calm down. And so, ironically, he was actually seated behind me to the left. And when that came up, I looked at him and he's like, man, I get it. I screwed up once. I won't do it again. And then every time he started to be animated and be rude, everyone looked at him and he kind of quieted down. Oh, that's something else I'll bring up at the end of the, this section about panel etiquette and theater etiquette that seems to have gone away. Great panel, though. A lot of really great announcements. My favorite was Overman King Gainer. And we also got, um, there's a secret um, panel that was showing Digimon. That's pretty cool. Then after that, we had differences in sci-fi between the East and the West with Seiyu Haruna Ikizawa. Uh, Haruna Ikizawa is not just a Seiyu, she's also an author, and she was president of a SF club, which wrote books. So she's someone who's very involved in science fiction or SF in Japan. And this was a fascinating panel where she discussed many of the books that are currently available and some of the concepts behind SF in Japan. However, when the panel opened up, the first thing she did was she asked everyone what they know of Japanese sci-fi. And since this is an anime convention, everyone talked about Japanese anime and not literature or tv shows and she kind of chastised everyone about that it felt kind of disingenuous and rude might not have meant that but it was weird still it was a fascinating panel and she was nice i some people asked questions that seemed rude and weren't and i think she got upset at them and then she ignored them the rest of the panel so a little much had to be done but anyway digress from here we go to kia asamiya's Manga creation of Silent Mobius and Martian Hunter successor Nadesco and Star Wars The Phantom Menace. This was amazing hearing stories from Kia Asamiya, a.k.a. Michitake Kikuchi. And just hearing the stories about his creations of Silent Mobius, of Steam Detectives, and even some stuff about Star Wars when he created the manga. And then when he had to do... Uh, episode one they took him to skywalker ranch and the movie wasn't even finished yet and he had to kind of make up what was going on because they would send him the incomplete prints and it'd just be someone standing in front of green screen he'd have to make up the whole thing so it became this whole running gag and i've been a fan of kiasamiya since an america extra in the 90s because i loved steam detectives i still wish i knew how that series ended but this one was one of my favorite panels to check out and also i'm definitely i've added uh, his latest work onto the wheel of manga, and if I get it, I'll be super happy. But I digress. Anyway, 
After that, we had All Aboard the Train of Galaxy, uh, Galaxy Railroad and Galaxy Express 39. And this was made by the guy who worked on Greatest Asses of Japanese History, Winning the War on Pants. And this one dealt with a lot of Leiji Matsumoto lore, and I appreciated it. It was a much more serious topic, and it was done better than the other one. So I don't know if it was just hentai cake is, has to be controlled, but Winning the War on Pants, it did a good job. And this was a good panel. Then anyway, from there, went to what it's like to work on anime with Tokaharu Ozaki and Shinya Suroko. This panel was an interesting one because this essentially was just, we're going to promote Bastard Season 2, and then we're going to show the first episode. That's all it was. So yeah. And then from there, in that same room, panel room one, the big room, I ran Horror and Anime Manga 2021. Uh, sorry, 2023. And this room was packed. People had fun. Everyone laughed, everyone screamed, everyone was horrified. Surprisingly, no one in the room knew about ZOM 100, even though the main lanyard for this year was ZOM 100. So that was kind of shocking. And then, on Sunday... Oh, one more. Other thing. Uh, before I forget, on Saturday, at the end, after my panel was done, there was the panel for Azuki, the, the digital manga app. That was at 11.30 at night. It was kind of insane that their panel was that late at night. It just made no sense why they did that. It felt kind of rude to Evan Minto, who was running it. And there are people who showed up there because we know about Azuki, but why would they set up a panel that late? I don't understand. This was... Well, anyway. That's a great for another day, but still really cool to see some of their new releases. And Azuki is one of my favorite manga apps to get. I highly recommend them. They are amazing. Anyway, on to Sunday. So Sunday, we had, first off, Beyond Japanese Tokusatsu, Henshining Around the World. This was by uh, Baltimore Toku Bros, and this is them talking about a bunch of Henshin series and a bunch of Tokusatsu series from around the world, including one which was made by Kim Jong-il before he became the head of North Korea, where he apparently kidnapped a bunch of people from Toho and some people from uh, cinema and made them make this film. Kind of crazy. And then... Same time, you had Ghibli Alternatives by Cookie Play Productions. And of course, I love the fact that their answer for it was things like uh, Night is Short, Walk On Girl. I love this panel. It's great alternatives to unique films that people may have not heard of because they're all on the Ghibli wheel. Because there is tons of great family-friendly manga and anime that is exceptional. And these ones are ones that you should definitely check out. But I digress. So then from here, besides this one, we get into, well, yeah, uh, ended up bumping into Gritty, which was kind of horrifying and amazing because Gritty. And then I went to two more panels. In the last two panels of the con, first off, there was Oh, That's a Baseball episode, which is someone combined every single baseball episode of every single anime that wasn't a baseball one and showed it in unison in 10-second spurts, where he would explain them the joke, the gag, and the situation like, oh, this is them. It's He has to play baseball against the guy's her her father in order to win his affection but oh wait this one is a dream where he ends up in another person's dream about him becoming a baseball star and monsters show up oh no here's one where freddy krueger is playing baseball with them and here's one of the ghosts it's like really this is a thing that's kind of crazy and that's literally how that panel went and then last and certainly not least we had the hot springs episode an introduction to japanese onsen which was a panel that analyzed onsen culture showed some animes with onsen in it, and pretty much 
It was the hosts talking about their experience in their own set. This one was really cool. If you listen to my review of when I went to Japan, I love onsens. They're great for the body and they're a relaxing experience. And it was cool to see another person's experience at an onsen. So that one was relaxing and chill. It was a great way to end the convention. But from here, let's actually go to uh, something a little bit more interesting, which is after the other part of reasons why we go to conventions. And we're talking about the dealer's room, as well as some of the other rooms that you have that go there. So, with this, there's tons of stuff that happens at the dealer's room because there is it is a great thing. And this year, the dealer's room was a little bit different. It wasn't as packed as last year. There isn't as much industry influence, so there weren't a lot of industry booths. But there was one which was right when you walk down the stairs in the first entrance that you see right up front. And this industry room was packed. So let's get to it. The one we saw was Big West. And Big West did not disappoint. When you walk in, you see that Valkyrie just standing there with these sevens from Macross 7 and signs from Macross Plus and Macross Delta and tons of videos and music hearing it off. When I hear Firebomber, I was like, I want to check this out. And it talked about going to the different panels. Next to it was a couple of the cons that were local to the area and there was Discotech itself. Discotech's boots, always a pleasure. We had Media Blasters, which surprisingly is promoting Anime New Jersey, which is a convention happening in December of this year. And besides that, the con floor was a con floor. There was boots for everything from Wild Bill's root beer to some chocolate. There was a Rita's ice, Italian ice booth. And there was a couple of boots for manga, a couple of boots for anime, a lot of tchotchkes and toys and other things but nothing really notable or engaging with it and it kind of felt bad that it was like i was excited to see more items but there wasn't as much as i wanted to there was a kinakuya booth but i wasn't super involved i'll admit i did not buy a lot at the at the dealer's room i bought from discotech i bought a couple of dvds and then from lunar games which they sell Gunpla, and also, friend of the podcast, Doug, why'd you get me into it again? I was out. I was done. And then you pulled me right back into Gunpla obsession. So yeah. So I bought some Gunpla as well. But seriously, it was cool to see some of those Gunpla and pick up some more goofs. But that was the dealer's room. Then, in the hallway outside the dealer's room and upstairs, there was tons of areas to look around and see cosplayers walking around. There was a main meeting place when you go up the stairs when you first enter the convention center at the top right in front of the gaming room, which was filled with cosplayers and people walking around. Excuse me. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Just a little bit of schmutz in my nose, but now we're clear. And this is a this is a great room to go to a place to hang out with. And then Let's get into the actual gaming room. The gaming room was a blast as usual. You had on one side, you had the uh, all the party games like Rock Band and Just Dance. And then in the back, you had all the games like Taiko Drum Master. You had the Gundam modules. You had a train conductor game where you actually learn how to be a train conductor. There was also tons of little consoles all over the place. Something new is if you turn, when you first enter, if you turn to the left, there was actually an area for cosplayers. And this is where all the cosplay meetups were happening, which is a nice area because you all had backdrops. The only problem was they were really close to each other, so you'd get overlap. 
and you'd hear tons of sounds from the game room. Uh, one of the common complaints among cosplayers I heard was they wanted this to be a little more secluded, a little more tranquil, so you didn't have overflow between the different groups. That, unfortunately, is something which the uh, when the everyone in charge of Oticon has to decide to do and set up for next year because that was a complaint. But I thought it looked really cool because I saw three different groups there. I saw one for... The Rorty Kenshin meetup, I saw the Ranma meetup, and shame that we had no Ranma Satomes, we had everybody else. And also saw a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure meetup, uh, My Hero Academia meetup, and the Nintendo meetup because I was looking for Koroks, and actually I found some. Uh, the coolest one, I think, my best shot from that was the one of the Peaches from Mario Brothers. And someone started singing the Peaches song from Super Mario Brothers, the movie, so that was kind of cool. And on the left side, the other thing is there were tons of things for non-regular games. You had the board games upstairs now. You had the area for all the board gamers where you could rent them. There was also a section for Yu-Gi-Oh, a section for Magic, a section for trading your uh, Pokemon cards as well. So there was tons of stuff for collectibles there. And something kind of cool, there was a Mahjong learning section where you could learn how to play Mahjong. I've never played, so I learned how to play Mahjong, and I got the dreaded one more game ites so i was playing like yeah i got an hour before my panel so i can play one more game i got 40 minutes before my panel i'll play one more game i got 30 minutes i'll play one more game it got very addictive it's like a, a weirder version of dominoes and i love it i want to learn more about it i want to play more but i digress uh, another thing we had besides that was you had an area for dancers you had one for singers and you had an area for uh, ninja which was cool seeing a bunch of people playing ninja that's still popular apparently there was a place for rpgers as well but i did not see that room there was a section for the otochan which is an area for little kids there was a quiet room there was a manga library the manga library is still awesome in its location and last but not least there was the oda museum which has had museum stuff from the last 29 otakons or not 29 it's the last 29 years of otakons and Someone pointed out maybe we should be able to donate some of our stuff from Otakon to the Otakon Museum so it will be saved. My fear with that is that maybe if it's not been maintained or if it's a shirt with holes in it, they won't really take it. So who knows? But we'd have to wait and see on that. But that was the, the dealer's room in the area. And overall, the con center was nice. It was maintained. It was flowed amazingly. Unlike last year where there was lots of blockage, they knew how to navigate people from point A to point B where it flowed and you didn't feel like the place was packed. And there wasn't a wait outside for long periods of time. People got in and out and that was it. And I love that that was the case, that they had people in and out and there was no issues with that. Uh, they've learned from their mistakes and that's something which really enjoyed. I did hear though that at the masquerade there was an issue with accessibility because one of the winners was someone who was in a wheelchair and because they didn't have a ramp they had to get up on a pair of crutches and it led to some embarrassing moments so that was an issue with the masquerade uh the ballroom i've heard there were some issues again where some people were dressed very cordially and they weren't let in people wearing essentially jean jackets and very dressed down clothes were allowed in the ballroom so i usually don't go to the Oticon ball but i'm hearing that in the rave i've heard mixed insanity is going on that but take that as you will so with that in mind let's actually get to the third and kind of more interesting part of this and we're talking about the cosplays of the convention so let's get to that so with the cosplays 
we had tons of people who were at the convention. Each ones were there for different reasons. And I took and talked to hundreds of cosplayers. And I've chosen my top 55. And note, there's a bunch of them who I didn't take photos of because they asked politely for me not to take their photo. Other ones who just, well, I'm pretty sure other reviewers would have them on there. I mean, there was a chainsaw man who had a chainsaw that moved. There was a cloud there who had a huge buster sword with glowing materia. Looked awesome. There was a young lady who had built her own dress and looked amazing. She is on our website. I don't was able to put it on the on OBS because of reasons, but there was tons of cosplayers who I would have loved to showcase, but I didn't. But these are the ones I recommend as my personal favorites from the weekend. I mean, starting off with Lee, who is a Misato Kasaragi cosplayer, just nailed it down. Perfectly. All she needed was a pen pen and she would have been perfect. Then we had a Digi Charat. Dejiko is one of my favorite characters. She was actually the first plush I ever won at a convention. And just seeing a Dejiko so many years later. Mwah, loved it. Then we had a Dokuru-chan and Sabuto-chan from Bokusatsu Tensei Bludgeoning or Bludgeoning Angel Dokuru-chan. Seeing them together, I just thought, Nicely done. I do wish that Dokuru-chan removed her mask, but apparently she didn't want to for that one. Later on she did, but anyway, digress. Then, of course, someone cosplaying as one of the greatest wrestlers of the 90s. We're talking about, hey, look, it's a hurricane. The hurricane, Hurricane Helms, cosplaying by a guy named Aaron. Man, that, that just put a smile on my face because I was a huge fan of the hurricane back in the day. And seeing that cosplay was just, it wasn't a deep cut, but it was great. We had someone cosplaying as Ashitaka from Princess Mononoke. Nicely done. We had a Mitsuru Kanroji. Actually, several Mitsuru Kanrojis, but this one I think was the best because she just... I think she embodied the character a little more and just her personality was coming through in it. Some of them just stood there and looked kind of dour, but she was one of the best ones. There was one other who I thought looked great as well, but that's also because of the arm candy. So, but this one looked great. Next, we had uh, Sailor Jupiter and Sailor Mars. Yes, two cosplayers cosplaying as them. It's I usually like seeing the whole set, but Mars and Jupiter, I always have fun seeing them together, and it, this looked really good. Then we had Spider-Punk. Well, we had multiple Spider-Punks going on. One of them was straight up like, I don't want to take you to take my photo because you're part of the establishment. I was like, that's perfect. But this one was really cool, and Artemis, thank you so much. You were blessed. You looked awesome, and I'm pretty sure I heard metal as she walked away. I don't know if that was a ringtone or just what, but really cool. Then we had Uten and Anthe. Always good to see an Uten and Anthe. Uh, one improvement, I would say, is for Anthe, wear the glasses. Otherwise, excellent. I loved it. And they were there for the Roroni Kenshin cosplay meetup, so that was really cool. Then we had a Kenshin Hamura from the cosplay meetup, and... That was great, especially with the new series coming out. There weren't a lot of Kenshin cosplayers. It was just Kenshin Yahiko, um, Misato, and two other characters from Kenshin. I didn't see anybody else, really. But it was really cool. Anyway, next we had my personal... Uh, well, one which just made my mouth drop. And that is the Civil War Link and Zelda. This is They designed the characters as if Link and Zelda were from the Civil War. It looked elegant. It looked unique. I will say that Caroline's, who played Zelda, her wig looked a little rough. Maybe just because it was slipping, but besides that, the cosplay looks great. I love it so much. It's actually one which I showed Greta, and Greta's like, oh my god, that dress is so nice. So yeah. 
Next we had Lum, a Lum Chan. Always good to see a Lum cosplayer. This one was good. Then we had a loop on the third red jacket. Uh, he preferred to be anonymous and did a good job as loop on the third. You know, he's not as good as a blue jacket or a green jacket, but still. And that's mean for me to say because I also cosplay a red jacket, so that's not nice. But he was good. He was an awesome loop on the third. And actually, the only loop on I saw this weekend besides two others. But his was probably one of the spot ons. Next. We had an Evelyn from League of Legends, and that was on Saturday. Kind of cool. Seeing an Evelyn. Then we had a Blue Jacket Lupin, cosplayed by your truly, Zan. Not bad, not bad at all. I really enjoyed dressing up as Lupin, and I wait, it takes me two months to get the sideburns just right for that. But it was cool to be Lupin again, and got a couple photos, so not bad. Then we had a Dark Vash, it's Vash of Stampede in the black outfit. This was actually alternate figure you could get back in the 90s and 2000s, where it was Vash in red, Vash in black. He was a Vash in black, looked really cool. The glasses were kind of different. And I thought that he also could have pulled off the villain from Battle Angel Alita, the evil doctor, as well. Then, one surprise cosplay, Riju from Legend of Zelda. This one, wow, I did not expect this because everyone was thinking, oh, to me, Zelda and Link, Zelda and Link. And Riju, personal favorite sage because... She allows you to shock the shit out of anybody who bothers you. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Then we had a drunk Yor. There were tons of Yors and um, Lloyds walking around. And there were some really cute Anyas walking around. But this one was just having fun with it. Where she's the drunk Yor who, who goes crazy when she's drunk. And she had a plush Anya with her. So that was nice. Then we had Tamaran the Red Panda. This is from a specific group. And... This is their mascot, and Tamaran was so adorable and just fun to walk around. People were giving Tamaran hugs, and at one point, Tamaran's vacuum stopped working, and it looked like Tamaran was dying, and people were kind of horrified by this, and the group Clover Puff Arts had to fix it, so yeah, there was that. Anyway, we had Sailor Moon, cosplayed by Ashley. Always good to see a Sailor Moon, a classic one, not Emerald Sailor Moon or Eternal Sailor Moon, just classic Sailor Moon. Then we had the first of many Tengen Usui's. This one was by John and looks pretty good. Did a good job with it. Um, his, his, the top was falling a little bit, but still spot on. Then we had an Among Us red guy. And that, his costume looked a little sus, but, you know, he's an Among Us guy. Just as long as he doesn't try to eat my face. Then we had one of many Barbies. There were tons of Barbies walking around. This one had a Ken who was typical blonde cowboy Ken. And this was Emily. And Emily, she did a beautiful job as Barbie. Then we had another Bash of Stampede. This one didn't have the prosthetic arm, but did have the gun. Uh, this was cosplayed by Alex. And hey, always a good show to see the new version of Bash. Then we had one which I was kind of shocked at. This is the other Mitsuri from Demon Slayer and Obanai, one of the other Hashira. And this was a group cosplay. Looks great. Kind of chill. And just if they matched, and that was the cool thing, was they matched each other. Then we had another Tengen Atsui. This one was cosplayed by Chuck. And Chuck, he has the build for it. He looks like he's going to kick some ass. He looks like he is... The noise Hashira, the sound Hashira, the one who's got three wives. Well, I would say that except that his partner, friend, somebody 
was with him cosplaying as Lucy from Cyberpunk. Yes, uh, this was Hannah, and Hannah looked off the hook. She's got the design down pat. And there's only one other Lucy who I liked a little better, but she had some issues. Uh, when I take a photo, she had a technical malfunction. But either way, Hannah's spot on, looks great. I love the design for it, and she had this aloofness, which worked for the character. Anyway, next, one of the coolest ones, and one which another one brought a smile to my face. We had Death the Kid and the Pistol Twins, and these were cosplayed by Jacob, Cam, and Janellis. And they looked great. You had the twins, you had Death the Kid, and they made the cool pose. So, bravo, bravo. Then we had power. There were tons of powers walking around, but this one I thought was exceptional because this power had the, had the mallet. I mean, we had a lot of powers who were just essentially wearing regular clothes, but the horns, and that they looked kind of lazy. But this one kind of went for it and felt like power about to bash something. So, that was really cool, and that's by L. Then we have Officer Jenny, Ash, and Brock. And this was cosplayed by Stephanie, Tiffany, and Danielle. I like that they didn't use a Misty. And they imbibed the characters really well. And hey, it's always good to see them. Especially now that Ash has been retired. Good to see an oldie. Anyway, next one that was also shocking. We had Speed Racer. Yes, Speed. And he did the pose, which... Totally made it worth it. And this was Joe. Joe did a great job as Speed Racer. So that one just was oldie but goldie. Then another surprise couple cosplay. We have Joker from Persona 5 and his Persona, Arson, cosplaying together. The Arson looks really cool with the wings, with the hat. And Joker looks great just being Joker. And this was Anthony and Grace. They did a good job as with this. And, well, I hope they enjoy their cosplay and i hope that they keep coming out with more good ones then we had a princess peach who was i think the tennis mario tennis version of princess peach this was cosplayed by gabby gabby she she looks cute as princess peach she does a good job i was curious if she did go to the peach meetup but i didn't see her up there so yeah anyway next we had a little mac he's this is cosplayed by zach and it's little mac all he needs is Doc Lewis to help him train to beat up Mike Tyson, and this will be great. Then we had a shy gal, or shy guy. This was cosplayed by Melissa, and looks really good as a shy guy. And then we had a Barbie, cosplayed by Kira. Then we have a group of Kodamas who sat at the top of the escalator and would just shake their heads. They prefer to remain anonymous, and I think there's Kodamas, they should be left that way because they're forest spirits and we don't want to piss them off. But it looked really cool, really trippy. And then last, and certainly not least, for that day, we had some Koroks together. Excuse me again. We had Koroks and Link, and the Koroks looked really cool, and they were harassing Link. And apparently throughout the entire convention, Koroks were all bothering Link, and when I found them, they gave me my ribbon for Nyahaha! You found me. And again, Koroks are awesome. The links are cool because it was actually two links. One link had a instrument weapon. The other one had the master sword. Both looked great. And I'm happy to see that Tears of the Kingdom is still a big thing, even though it's been a couple of weeks. So finally, let's get to Sunday and Sunday's cosplays. Starting off with Sabito. Sabito from Demon Slayer. Most of you don't remember him. He's the first... Um, 
trainee who went against the mountain demon and got killed. He was the last one to do that. And he, he is cosplayed by Aerio and looks really good with the cracked fox mask. So that one was a nice, pleasant surprise to see on Sunday. Then we had a great teacher, Onizuka. This one was kind of cool because when I saw him, I was like, oh my God, it's Onizuka. He's like, oh my God, you recognize me? I'm like, yeah, that's Onizuka. He said no one recognized him and I put a, brought a smile to his face. And the guy, Joe, great job, man. Great job. Then we have um, one which, unfortunately, I did not ask the contact information for, but it was one that was memorable. It was a dead Maze Hughes. It was him crouched down with the photo in his hand. And I was like, oh, that hurts so much, but it's so cool. Just, I had the photo on our website, Sparkin.com, under our con photos. Check it out. It looks great. Then from there, we have a Booker DeWitt. Booker DeWitt is always awesome. Uh, Bioshock Infinite. And this was cosplayed by Mike. And Mike did a great job as Booker. He didn't have the AD on his wrist, so this is before he... Before one of the temporal loops. So, kind of cool there. And he had the skyhook. Then we had a Maytel. Maytel's always fascinating to see. Such a retro character. And this Maytel actually was waiting to see Kia Asamiya. And I was behind them because I also wanted a Kia Asamiya uh, signature because steam detectives. But anyway, I digress. Then we had a Lord Vader. Darth Vader. Looking awesome with his lightsaber. Looked like he was going to force choke somebody, but still pretty cool. Then we had Gon from Hunter Hunter. Gon was cosplayed by Ainsley. Then we had a Kaito Kid who was anonymous, as Kaito Kid should be. Looked great. Part of me wishes I had the Lupin with the white suit so I could mess with the Kaito Kid, but whatever. Then we had a Ryoko and Satsuki from Kill a Kill, cosplayed by Katie and Natalie. And they looked really good as the cosplay. Uh, Ryoko had the scissor blade. Uh, they did say that there were some technical difficulties with the cosplay because they were wearing leather that was a little bit too uncomfortable during the weather because it was 100 degrees the weekend. So yeah, there was that. And then you had a Thorn Princess version of your cosplaying around. Again, same issue I had from way early on. She didn't want to remove her mask. But I understand. I respect that. This was by... Her name was Alex. And she did a great job as Thorn Princess Yor. Then... One cosplay group that put a huge smile on my face, and when I showed it to Greta, she loved it. We're talking about the next life as a villainess, all routes lead to doom group. We're talking about Bacarina, aka Katarina, Mary, Stella, Maria, and Caroline. The whole, all four girls, all cosplays. They're cosplayed by Alice, Beth, Christine, and Stevie, and they took their time with the cosplays and. I'm glad they did, because this is one which was memorable and just shows that uh, Otome games are still popular. Anyway, digress. So then we had a Dobby from Demon Slayer, and this Dobby was cool because she had two contacts in her eyes that said Upper Demon. One said Upper, one said Demon in her eyes in the kanji, and it looked astounding. Uh, just a shame she was mobbed with... People taking her photo, otherwise it would have gotten more contact information and a place to hallmark her and showcase her. Digress, though. We had another Lum. This Lum was cosplayed by someone named St. Vemprist. Then we had a Zhe Lang. Zhe Lang is from Heaven's uh, Divine uh, Blessing, Official Blessing, which is a Chinese light novel or manga. 
And this one, yeah. I was shocked to see this one, but it looks exceptional and it just embodies the character. Nicely done. And then some of our last ones, we had another Vash Stampede. This one was cosplayed by Mar. Good job. This one had the blue arm. I like the costume. The jacket looks great. The sunglasses look great. The hair looks great. I would have liked the arm a little bit higher, but, you know, it was cool, it was cool that day, so I get it. Then we had uh, Jedi Master Gritty, who I saw. We, we showed earlier. I don't know who he is. It's probably actually Gritty who just came to cosplay because he got a lightsaber for some reason. So I will not run away from that. And then last but not least, we had a Koroks in a dress because Koroxes. And, yep, this one gave me a seed, which is gave me some... Of the Korok seeds. So, yeah. So, that was the cosplays for the weekend. And out of them, I enjoyed them all. They all had their pluses and minuses. And they all were memorable. And that's the big thing. Is that all of them loved what they were doing. And they embodied their characters. And that was something that I really enjoyed. And I thought that was well done. So, overall, this convention was a lot of fun. There were some great moments. And as after talking to everybody. And getting interviews from different people. Pretty much the big things we learned from this was positive, major positives were one, the flow was so much better this year. They made sure that people were able to get from point A to point B without a lot of congestion and it flowed better. The train theme was enjoyed. People really had fun at the masquerade and the AMVs, even though some people said the AMVs were kind of stuffy and were sweaty. People had a lot of fun with those. And one of the big things is People did enjoy a lot of the elements that did occur. However, some of the negatives were, one, a lot of people thought that the bag checks were kind of messed up this year because some people were let through. Other people were stopped and asked to remove items because there was no food from outside the convention center policy. So people were being asked to throw out um, certain things. And if you had a diabetic risk, this led to other issues. So that led to some stuff. Some people were complaining about the fact that you had these. You couldn't leave a you couldn't leave a panel if you you sat down because you lose your seat. Some people said you should keep that going, but that's something which has to be dealt with later on. Some people felt that the there was the issue I told you earlier with the masquerade where it should be more accessible friendly, but that's something else that could be done. The big takeaway though is a lot of people were complaining about the schedule and some of the panel content being that some panelists were reading just straight up from their screens. They weren't articulating. They were just kind of like, and this says this word, and this says this word, where someone could read that. I've had that complaint years ago, and because of that, I learned to not have everything I'm going to say on the screen. Generally, I have my images, then I'll read everything, and I'll, I can dictate and work that way. I And that's something which a lot of people were complaining about for other, other people as well. One other thing that was a complaint that I had as well was theater etiquette has gone out the window. What is theater etiquette, you're wondering? Well, theater etiquette was when you go to the movie theater, you used to be quiet. You wouldn't look at your phone. You'd pay attention to what was on the screen. Ever since COVID, that is no longer a thing. So in panel rooms, you have people who will talk in the middle of the panel. They'll be checking their phone. They'll be making a general nuisance of themselves. A good example is the individual from Discotech last year who was called out upon it. This is something that should be remedied. It should not be said, oh, it's okay. I mean, hecklers we deal with and we've learned to deal with. But we should learn to be a little politer to the people who are up there who are giving the panels. I mean, yes, some of them are great, but still they deserve our respect because they're going up there to try to, to do this thing. And that's what they deserve. 
But I'm getting on my high horse. I'm going to stop there. Otherwise, this is a great convention. I'm definitely coming back next year. We're going to see how it goes because next year is the big 3-0. And I'm excited to see what panels I'm going to set for that because my big one, well, we'll see if that one gets accepted. But I'm excited for that one. It's a new one, which I'm going to start working on right now so I can get it perfect. But I digress. So I hope you enjoyed this con report. As usual, I'm your host, Zan. I'm Gonsville. I'll catch you guys next time. And keep going to conventions and having a blast. So see you later.